Hello, and welcome to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the official podcast of Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge. Bobby said I could take a snip of that if I were nervous or anxious, and I'd feel calm. Well, Happy New Year. Today is Epiphany. As you have sensed from the songs and perhaps from the stories this morning, it's the commemoration of that moment when these foreign Gentile outsiders called Magi Wise men follow a star 
to the manger of baby Jesus, giving us that song that begins, We Three Kings. Only we don't really know exactly how many there were. According to Matthew, we can assume from three gifts that there were three kings, right? Or I told my son one could have been holding two and the other one one, or there could have been more. But tradition says there were three, and because of that song, it is enshrined. Luke tells us nothing about the wise men. Luke's version of the nativity, as you know, is good news. Full of sweet, pleasant scenes and glowing symbols around the birth. But Matthew's version is full of challenge and even terror. From Luke to Matthew, notice the contrast. We exit the stable in Luke. Enter the king's palace in Matthew. You exit the shepherds and angels in Luke. You enter wise men and King Herod. You exit Mary. You enter Rachel weeping. You close the music box playing sweet Christmas carols in Luke. And you enter the screams of Rachel and the screams of other parents of murdered children. If you were to make these two stories through versions, Luke and Matthew, Luke's would be rated G for comfortable family entertainment. Matthew's would be rated R for violence. I'm deeply indebted to someone named Wilbert Miller, a resource he had on Paul Scherer. Paul was a pastor of Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in New York City. And he taught at Union Theological Seminary back in the 1940s. And he once preached a sermon on Epiphany Sunday from this passage. And from his pulpit he said this, the gospel makes trouble even at Christmas time. Matthew says when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And then he asked, I wonder if it should bother us more than it does. His sermon was timely. He preached in an era, 1940s, Catholic Christians in Spain had supported Franco in the Spanish Civil War, where Protestant Christians in Germany had supported even Adolf Hitler and Nazis during the Second World War. His sermon was timely because Matthew's version of the nativity should trouble us more than it does. Miller says Scherer was suggesting to worshipers like us that we too easily forget what threat this, chi this tiny child is. And he went on to say, this wretched child has come to disturb us all. It was especially poignant for his church. Apparently there was a time when 
members of his church were driven up to the doors of the church in limousines and ushered by folks in tails and white gloves, grandly escorted, he says, into the comforting confines of its hallowed sanctuary. And so it was no wonder that Dr. Scherer went on to say in his epiphany sermon that morning, as after everyone had settled in, the candlelight service is so lovely. The carols we say are out of this world. They are perhaps too far out. Scherer must have seen firsthand during that era how prone we are to taming this wretched child of Bethlehem in order to appease, to please the status quo. Likely that was the case for the reverends too, the chief priests and the scribes of baby Jesus' day. Like us, those chief priests and scribes, the reverends, are probably good folk doing the best they could. They were thrilled, I am sure, to be at King Herod's side, captivated by his electrifying charisma. He was, after all, the leader of their country, their president, if you will. Of course, they had to make a few compromises along the way. Herod, after all, was a paranoid leader. He was as paranoid as you could be. He killed his mother, killed ten of his own sons. The reverends surely were disgusted by Herod's evil slaughter of the little boys two years and under, who he felt threatened his throne. But hey, that's the price you pay to be close to the king. You can't work for God and for the king without making some moral and spiritual compromises. After all, when the flags are flown on the pole, which flag gets higher billing, the national flag or the Christian flag? And so you have to make some compromises. And who among God's people, Christians, isn't exhilarated, enthused by some power and influence? That can be rather intoxicating. Don't we all wish we had more power? Of course, more power in our city more influence in our jobs. Perhaps we wish for more power and influence in our church, more powerful people. And it's easy to forget that we've come to worship the disturbing child born in a barn. Miller remarks, thankfully not everyone was mesmerized by visions of grandeur, power, and influence. Take, for example, the wise men. These wise men follow a star and arrive in Jerusalem 
a city in that day as glamorous as, say, New York City. They came riding elegant camels. They were dressed in stylish robes. They brought exquisite, expensive gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So can you imagine what kind of king they expected? Strangely, these foreigners, outsiders, these Gentiles, from another religion even, from modern-day, perhaps, Iran or Yemen. These appear in the palace of King Herod, and it, is, it seems as if he gets, they get an immediate audience with King Herod himself and his congregation of reverends and Bible scholars. And they knew exactly where Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. For from you shall come a ruler who will govern my people Israel. They know this. But like so many of us well-educated reverends and religious leaders today, the scribes and the chief priests knew that story well. And yet, for whatever reason, they conveniently forgot who this little child was. For wasn't it the same religious insiders that eventually crucified this little child a few decades later. As Pastor Scherer preached, he preached words that continue to ring in these times too. This wretched child has come to disturb us all. What was and is so disturbing is that this child's rule, his leadership, was gentle. Not at all our expectation of kings and rulers and leaders today. His leadership was gentle. In fact, under Jesus' leadership, rejected foreigners, offensive sinners, disgusting poor folk gather around his, lonely, his lowly throne, his crib and his cross. And these folk end up becoming his inner cabinet, if you will. Do you hear the biting irony in Matthew's story? Both Herod and the wise men ask the same question. They both ask, where is he? Where is he? King Herod asked his, his scholars, his reverence, the inner circle, and they turned to the Bible. But they neither looked for him and they neither worshiped him. And yet the wise men, these men from another religion, another country, follow nature's star. They find him. They worship him. David Buttrick states that Matthew seems to suggest that while the coming of Christ is promised to some, for others it's a terrible threat. Messiah who comes to usher in a new age, the kingdom of God, is bound to threaten established power. 
including established religious power. Thus Herod and all Jerusalem with him is threatened. However, for those seeking a savior, seeking liberation, those longing for a new social order, those who are always on the lookout for God in the world, coming of the Messiah is good news. And wise men do what the whole human world should do. They adore the child and worship him and offer themselves a sacrifice. Where is he? asked the wise men. The wise men belong in our world for they searched for a savior. Where is he, asked Herod, but he wanted to kill. And unfortunately, he gets represented in our world today, too. Buttrick says, entrenched power will always be threatened by God. When Herod called for help in his plan to kill, notice who he turns to for help. The religious institution. These reverends were happy to assist him. Wouldn't we too be honored to be given that invitation? Who would say no thank you? Like the Protestant Christians who found they could oblige Hitler in the days when this sermon by Scherer was preached. Maybe there are current examples today. Herod turned to the religious institutions, even the institution's own reverence, and it worked. It worked because a few decades later, again, a king killed Jesus with the help of his religious advisors. So it's the wise men in the story who actually teach us about faithfulness. As we begin a new year, it's tempting for us to long for more, maybe a larger budget, a new van, for roofs that don't leak, for better heating and air conditioning that keeps every corner of the church perfectly the temperature we like. And that's coming, I'm sure. But that's not where we're called to look for the Christ child today. For today we find him in the simple stuff of bread and wine, of gravelly words of a hoarse-voiced preacher. This sanctuary felt fuller at Christmas Eve it felt almost to capacity several weekends ago for our sanctuary choir Christmas presentation. Folks raved over the orchestra and the handbell piece. And we sang with full voices. We sang with the angels, I'm sure. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. And go tell it on the mountain. And yet the 
little child of Bethlehem was also lurking in other places beyond the paved streets of Jerusalem, in places where we may not look. I recall one Christmas Eve, our church had held two services, an early family service and the late Lessons and Carol service. We wrapped it all up, singing with the angels in the rafters, standing for the Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's the Messiah. It was high liturgy at its finest, most glorious, all for King Jesus. And there was a standing ovation, as you do for the Hallelujah Chorus. Later I learned that after the last service, my pastor had wandered outside that lofty sanctuary and that transcendent service. Outside to the sidewalk where a poor, hungry gentleman was huddled. And Jesus was there too. Perhaps that fellow missed his invitation to the service but at midnight, Christmas morning, the pastor privately brought his gift to that poor, hungry, huddled gentleman, a $100 bill. And that, too, is worth a standing ovation. When the king heard about the king child, he felt threatened and wanted to kill him. When the reverends heard about the king child, they held a Bible study and kept close to power. When the wise men heard where he was, they worshiped him. After the wise men adored the Christ child, Matthew says, being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went home to their own country by another way. How easy it is to be drawn to power and to the splendor of king's dreams. It's far more difficult to grasp God's son is already here among us amidst leaky roofs, unpredictable heating and air, or worn out van, the huddled on sidewalks, among you and me. Maybe that's why Dr. Scherer's old sermon still resonates today, reminding us this wretched child has come to disturb us all. Pray with me, please. God, this is a very uncomfortable story where good news brought a massacre and you bring trouble to the lives of many with this child so we pray give us the courage 
to be your hands and feet. Where we work, where we go to school, where we shop, and where we worship. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the official podcast of Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge. For more information about our church, please check us out on Facebook by searching for Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge. You can also find us on YouTube by searching for Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge. We're on Twitter and Instagram as at Broadmoor underscore BC. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you on Sundays.